0: Bhdd is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active twenty-four-seven. More information at opioidresponse.info. Thank you all for joining us for another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nygut. Very glad to have you with us as we come to the end of another week. This is. For us, week nine of doing the show while sheltering in place, uh, we continue to have our panelists join us by phone. I continue to do the show out of a uh, spare bedroom in our house outside of the city of Decatur. Um, and we're, we're going to cover a lot of ground on today's show. We, we are going to start by talking about the Arbery case, and, uh, and uh, we're very uh, pleased that we have with us uh, Attorney General Chris Carr to talk with us to the extent that he's able to about the case and he'll join us in just a moment. Jim Galloway and I will then go on. We'll talk about the latest in the coronavirus and politics in Georgia and then we're going to talk about some election news as the uh, June 9th primary approaches. So that kind of sets the agenda for the show today. First, Jim Galloway, glad to have you with us again today. Um, Thank you for being here. You got some woodworking to do this weekend? Yeah, you
1: know, I'm gonna. I've got to fire up. I've got a giant bandsaw I need to fire up on Saturday.
0: (laughs) Boy, Jim sure sounds exciting. I wish I had one. (laughs) Um, all right, let's get right to it though. Um, uh, Chris Carr, Attorney General of the State of Georgia, thank you so much for. Uh, taking time to join us today, and, and and I want to make sure we try to ask everybody this: How are you holding up? How are things going in terms of sheltering in place? Are you finding anything difficult, unusual? Tell us a little about it personally.
2: First, thank you so much for having me on. It's always great to be with you and Jim. Uh, and if, uh, I, you, you said you are. Uh, coming today from a spare bedroom, I'm in the dining room of our house, so that's where I am today. <laughs> and uh, so we're we're faring well. We're faring well. Uh, uh, my wife Joan has the office, uh, home office that she's got. I have the dining room table, and then our ninth grader has uh, is, is taking virtual classes down the hall in her bedroom. She's not <laughs> there right now, but that would be. So we've got a school, we've got an office. We're multitasking here at the car house.
0: Uh, a busy, busy household. Um, all right. Um, General Carr, let me just very briefly uh, talk about the timeline one more time uh, as we set up our conversation, uh, because I think the timeline is incredibly crucial to this story. Um, Ahmad Arbery was shot to death on February 23rd. The case was certainly, uh, it. it People knew about it in certainly in South Georgia in the Brunswick area where it happened, but it really didn't get a great deal of attention statewide, or certainly not nationally. For weeks and weeks after that, it wasn't really, I think, uh, until April before people began paying attention to what had happened down there. What What is even more troubling is that in in the first week of April. Um, One of the district attorneys assigned to the case, uh, the second district attorney who had the case, George Barnhill, actually saw the video which shows how the shooting unfolded, but we didn't learn about the video until basically about a week or so ago. So I think I've got the timeline about right, and I'd like you to—you told Jim Galloway and other reporters that you were stunned— when you saw the video, and that you only learned about it, the Attorney General of the State of Georgia, when you got a, a friend uh, pointed it out to you on Facebook, and you did say it was stunning to you to see what you saw.
2: I did, and that, it's right. On uh, Tuesday, May the fifth, I was tagged around lunchtime, and by a friend, and that's when we started uh, talking internally, and uh, we started. Talking to the governor's office and with the uh, our friends at the GBI and others, but um, uh, that's a you know it, it was I'm like again, as I've said, I'm a father and a human being, so when I saw that video, it was just shocking and it was stunning. Now I think it's important also you know Bill to, to point out this is why we're investigating. There is an investigation that is going on, and the purpose of that investigation will be to get to the facts. And then the facts will lead us uh, to ensuring that justice is done, but uh, that's that's how we initially uh, found out about the uh, about the video. Uh,
0: I want yep. to give Jim a chance, but just one follow up sure. question, Jim. Let me just ask a follow up and then turn it over to you. I'm sorry. Um, I believe you have said also, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, we know the case started with the DA uh, in uh, Glynn County. Um, She decided to recuse herself from the case because of her relationship with uh, uh, the the McMichael, uh, the father. She turned it over to George Barnhill from an outside uh, 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 area. And I believe you said you were not brought into the picture and aware that that transfer had taken place. Am I right about that?
2: Uh, No. no, So let me just clarify this. I think a couple things, too, Bill, within... 48 hours of that video being made public to the state. Let me say this. I I mean, I have to commend the speed by which the governor and Vic Reynolds, our incredible GBI director, moved to make this happen. So the governor directed Vic to reach out to Tom Durden, who was the third district attorney involved in this, the one that we had appointed after Barnhill. Within 48 hours, an arrest had been made. But within 12 hours of reaching out to Durden, the GBI was on the ground. Within 36 hours of being on the ground, the GBI made that arrest. So that's number one. No, our office was notified by Jackie Johnson on February 27th that she had a conflict. Our office, conflicts oh, yeah. Yeah, conflicts happen all the time. I've been attorney general now three and a half years. There's about 671 conflicts. We've appointed when it's either a district attorney or a solicitor general. So when she notified us on the 27th, we appointed George Barnhill. George Barnhill was the DA until April the 7th when he notified us that he had a conflict. We appointed Tom Durden on April the 13th.
0: I apologize. I thought for, thank you, for some reason I yep. thought you weren't in the loop that early on, but I'm glad you uh, clarified that. Jim? Yeah, um Mr. Carr, as as
1: uh, this case kind of exploded, uh, I know Tom Durden, the the DA down uh, down in the Atlantic District, I think it is. uh, That's right. uh, 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 Sent the case back to you, Uh, and could you walk us kind of walk us through, maybe in bullet point? uh, Well, Durden said that his his office simply lacked capacity at this point. Could could you walk us through? The, the several investigations that are now underway, just bullet point fa- fashion.
2: Well, sure. So that's right. Tom, when Tom got the case on April 13th, the case was, was at one phase. And since from April the 13th, until we appointed um, uh, D.A. Joyette Holmes from the Cobb district this past Monday, the case just grew in scope and size. And Tom reached back out to us and just said, our office doesn't have the resources to be able to handle a case of, of, of this magnitude and and uh, and that sort of thing and and the Cobb DA's office does they've got great resources and personnel and experience and and Joy Ed has been a prosecutor and a defense attorney and a judge and a great reputation so that's why we went in that particular uh, direction I so the GBI will, is investigating again important to remember there's an investigation going on to get the facts so they've been brought in to investigate uh, the, uh, the murder, or excuse me, I'm sorry, the killing of, uh, of uh, Ahmed Arbery. So they've been brought in to investigate that. And um, we have now asked also the GBI to look into the communications and the actions surrounding the initial DA from the Brunswick Circuit, as well as the district attorney from the uh, Waycross Circuit, George Barnhill. In addition, we've asked the, the U.S. Attorney's Office to come in to investigate that as well. Remembering, there may be federal law implicated at the U.S. Attorney's level. It could be civil rights issues. It could be public corruption type issues. And from the state's perspective, there may be there are state laws that could be implicated. So they will be hopefully. Uh, again, we've asked the U.S. Attorney to to uh, participate. They said that they were considering it. We have given them our file. We've made our personnel and employees available to answer any questions that they may have and then the gbi is involved in their investigation
1: okay uh uh, lee Merritt, one of uh he's a lawyer representing the the the, uh arbery uh family uh a couple days ago he was on on a serious uh xm radio program and and the the he he said that there is the presumption that that this will come to trial in cobb county uh is is that is that correct or or does we just jurisdictionally if if the cobb d a is looking looking at this does this does this go go back down to Brunswick or uh, automatically or does it start
2: in Cobb Jim that's gonna be a question that the the that it would be better uh, asked of the d a of of joy at homes and how that process mm-hmm. will play out um it's it's in Glenn county now, and but that would be. We don't have anything to do now with the case itself, Joyette and the Cobb DA's office will be taking it, so that'd be better asked of them.
1: I, I guess we would it would it depend on where the grand jury is impaneled on it.
2: Uh, I think there's a number of different questions and so I don't want to I don't want to get into the specifics of that because those are going to be questions and, and decisions that need to be made by both sides kind of going forward. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mm-hmm. want to speculate on what might happen.
0: Okay, sure. So l- let me let me ask you a, a, a different uh, take on, on that same question, Mr. Carr. Um, I, I think to the dismay of many people in Georgia, uh, even though you acted quickly when you began to unravel what had been happening uh, down there in the Brunswick area surrounding this case, as you pointed out earlier, the governor spoke out. Uh, And he, too, was shocked when he saw the video. So I think that many leaders on both sides of the aisle have expressed here in Georgia their concerns about this case. But this case now, as you well know, has not just become a national story, it's become an international story. The lawyers now for the McMichaels have said, you know, they're, they're dismayed at the quick rush to judgment that they believe that many people have made about what happened. Uh, are you at all concerned about whether uh, this case can, whether a a there can be a fair hearing of this case given the widespread publicity and the outrage that's been expressed? Can the McMichaels get a fair trial in in the, in a jurisdiction in South Georgia or in Cobb County, wherever?
2: Well, I know that those will be questions also that will be asked and and, and brought up by both sides. I'll say this, though, Bill, you know, the, the important thing was that we get to the bottom of it, that we determine the facts. There is a right to a fair trial for the defendants, and there's a right to a fair trial by for, for the victim and, and their families. And and at the core of it all is uncovering the facts. And that was why I thought it was important. And, again, th- there are a lot of very good people at the state level. As you mentioned, when the governor said when he saw it, he immediately asked the GBI director. And, and Vic Reynolds, being a former police officer and district attorney himself, he immediately uh, acted and made sure that they were on the ground. Because the point being is let's come at it from all angles. Let's make sure we work with anybody, the, the family, the community, uh, the, our federal partners and our state partners to get the facts.
1: Hey, um, Bill. One thing we we need to point out here is is that uh, as as uh, that Joy Holmes, of course, is the Cobb County DA, but Rick Rick uh, Vic Reynolds, the director of the GBI, preceded her as DA. Which means there's a, a very very yeah. kind of tight relationship. Uh, I'm assuming between uh, the two staffs, between the GBI and the and the DA's attorney. So so that's that's an interesting uh, combination, uh, Mr. Carr. Here, Uh when we talked, we talked about this on Tuesday, and what I find very different about the 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 Arbery, uh, Arbery case is that that Republicans, as a group, yourself and the governor included, were very very quick to identify this as 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 a a, a just an 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 intolerable incident, and I think that that, that that's resonated. Uh, at at a national level, you, uh, I mean, it, it it kind of set the messaging for that. You told me that that you were very determined to to make sure that people understood that that civil rights is not a one party issue that it's that it's that it's just as important to Republicans as it is to uh, Democrats. Could you could you just elaborate
2: on that a little bit? Absolutely, thanks, Jeff. Yes, we believe I believe uh, that the. Each and every human being has dignity and value and worth. And that is the fundamental civil right right there is the value of human beings, the value of human life and making sure that everybody has a fair shake. And that's why I thought that it was important. And again, that if I no matter who I talk to, a Republican, a Democrat or an independent, yeah, People of goodwill believe that exact same thing. And so what I was saying is it is not within the purview of any one party. Republicans that I have talked to have, have been very much engaged in this, paying attention. They saw the video with their own eyes. Democrats the same way. Independents the same way. So civil rights should matter. The The value of human life, the the dignity and the value and the worth uh, that it's had. And I have said this to members of the community. And I got a chance to speak with Ahmed's mother the other day, and I told her the same thing. That's why it's important to get the facts, understand what happened, because uh, a life was taken, and that life had dignity and value and worth. Uh, it, it, tell us
1: about Amos Ackerman and his grandson and how this, this fits into into the, the Arbery case. It's just a little interesting kind of historical uh Motivation.
2: It, well, it is, and Jim, I know about Amos Ackerman because of you and, and the Georgia Historical Society when we went up a year, year and a half ago to Cartersville uh, to dedicate a uh, plaque to Amos uh, a- uh, Amos uh, Ackerman, who was, as I found out, didn't know who he was at the time, but he was Ulysses Grant's U.S. general, and he took on not only the railroad trust. But also his, attorney at his,
1: his, his attorney general, you mean?
2: Yes, I apologize. Attorney General of the United States, I should have clarified. The Attorney General of the United States for Ulysses Grant. And he got fired because he took on the, the railroad trust, but also because he had 1,500 indictments of Ku Klux Klan members. And so we went up there with Larry Thompson and others and had a chance to have a great day recognizing a Georgian that we just didn't know much about. He moved you know, from the eastern part of the state to Cartersville. Well, as I mentioned, about in the beginning of February, I was t- picking up a book because I wanted to learn a little bit more about Thurgood Marshall. I knew he was a Supreme Court justice and had been part of Brown versus Board of Education, but wanted to learn a little bit more about it. And I picked up a book called Devil in the Grove. Uh, it's about the Groveland Four, a case out of Florida uh, where four African-American men were accused of raping a white woman. And it became one of the more famous civil rights cases. Well, when Thurgood Marshall and the NAACP came in to defend uh at least three of the four, one of, one of the men was, was lynched in a swamp in northern Florida, but for the other three, they, could, they needed to find a white member of the Florida bar, and the only one that they could find to take the case was Alex Ackerman Jr., the grandson of Amos Ackerman, who you and I had done the, uh, uh, the historical marker for. So it's really – I finished that book two weeks ago. And it just had been on my mind, and the tie between Amos Ackerman and Alex Ackerman in this ca- in the case of the Groveland Four. So that had been uh, been on my mind as as we're as as it turned out, this case was presented to us, and the video came out. Uh,
0: Mr. Carr, uh, both Joe Biden and Atlanta Mayor Keisha Bottom have uh, called this a uh, a lynching. Um, what do you make of that kind of rhetoric when, uh, the, when the mayor and a Democratic presidential candidate talks about this is a lynching? How do you respond to that? How do you react to that?
2: Our job is to go in and find the facts and, and ensure justice is done. And that, the end game is that, that justice would be done. And because there's, you know, the investigation is going on, I, I don't want to prejudge or, or anything along those lines, but we do want to get the facts.
0: Well, I understand that, but is rhetoric like that harmful as you try to invest? Not you to, to you personally, perhaps, but just in a more in a broader way. Is that sort of rhetoric harmful uh, in terms of the environment that's been created around this case? Or, in fact, is it simply a judgment by people who have been as horrified by the video as you were?
2: Well, I can't. I can't speak for why other people do what they do, or I don't want to judge them. I come from the school of Johnny Isaacson, where you try to be constructive, and that's what we're trying to do on this. So, you know, from our perspective, we've got a job to do. I'm going to only focus on the job that the state has and in support of the GBI and and others, and and we'll let that – we'll just see where it takes us.
0: Uh, Let me ask you one more uh, question. Uh, Chris Stewart, who is also part of the team that's representing uh, the Arbery family, uh, was on Political Rewind the other day. And he suggested that the uh, coronavirus and the shutdown of court system uh, shouldn't prevent a grand jury from meeting in a case like this. Immigration courts continue uh, to meet. There are ways a grand jury could be impaneled. Do you have an opinion as to whether justice— Uh, Delayed is in some cases uh, justice deferred. In this case,
2: well, again, there's a judicial health emergency that the chief justice has as rightfully and understandably, uh, declared in the state. There was some guidance that came out on Monday that would at least, uh, I think, address the issue of the grand jury, and so um, uh, we we have to play by the rules that are given. But we know that, as I've said, we need to swiftly, thoroughly. And transparently move this case forward, and I'm confident that Joyette and her team will do that as well from the state's perspective. Uh,
1: uh, Mr. Carr, I'm, I'm not familiar with the with the, the judge's uh, order. There, did it, it does it does it allow for the possibility of virtual grand juries uh, from home? Uh,
2: from a virtual standpoint, and Jim, I don't have it in front of me, but it did provide uh, some more guidance on when grand juries could be impaneled. And the point is to try to. You know, I, I know the gathering rule comes into effect, and how do you get people together to do that? And you're balancing public health with the interest of of, uh, of justice. So I would you he put it he put out additional guidance on Monday, and I would just encourage folks to take a look at that.
0: Uh, Chris Carr, we I know you have a nine thirty meeting. I'm sure it's on Zoom, uh, so you're not going to be going very far. <laughs> but we promised we'd get you out in time. Uh, so that you could do that. We really appreciate your joining us today. And uh, as the case proceeds, we may very well invite you to come back. But in the meantime, thanks so much for being with us today, Chris Carr.
2: Bill, thanks to you and Jim. You all have a good weekend. Take care.
0: Uh, We'll take a break right now and uh, be back with uh, more. Jim Galloway and I have a lot to talk about on Political Rewind. Jim Galloway, we knew that uh, Attorney General Carr was going to be very circumspect in, in what he did and didn't say about this case. Uh, he, after all, is, uh, has to oversee how things develop on the case. Um, but, you know, he made a comment to you, and I was trying to get at it a little bit. W- when he said that he had first heard—he told us on the air that it was May 5th when he first knew a video had been made of the, of the shooting— uh, a friend on Facebook uh, tagged him on it. And the quote is, the f- that's the first time I ever knew of the video. I was stunned. It made you sick to your stomach. The first reaction was, let's find out what happened. Uh, he had a visceral emotional reaction, which we can all understand. I frankly can't even watch a video. I, I, I've heard it. I know about it. I just don't want to look at that. that. I, it, it just is too troubling. But there's no question that um, this case... Has uh, cauterized the opinions of people like Carr, who jumped to action very quickly.
1: Right, and 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 look, if 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 you compare the the reaction here to what happened in the in the days after the Tray, Tray, Trayvon Martin slaying, what happened in, in Missouri, uh, what happened in Charlottesville, uh, you know it was it was the, the 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 Republican the conservative reaction was kind of top down. And 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 quite frankly, led by uh, impacted a great deal by President Trump, especially in, in, in Charlottesville when he was saying, uh, you know, there are very fine people on both sides of that issue. Uh, I think by with with the governor and with Carr jumping in so quickly, so forcefully that 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 the, the the local gop took control of the messaging on 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 this thing i think in a very important way uh and it, it and it was it was completely thorough one of the things that i i haven't written about and 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 just want to make note is is marty kemp uh the governor's wife was very prominent on on uh, on twitter uh in her condemnations uh mm-hmm. it's something you do not see a first lady of georgia doing
0: yeah Well, and and that does to me raise this question, uh, which the attorneys for – Travis McMichael's attorney, he and his dad each have hired separate attorneys in this. And by the way, uh, we're still going to wait to learn, and it may be some time yet, whether they are going to argue they should be tried together or separately. That's still to be determined. But the attorneys for Travis McMichael held a news conference yesterday and raised this question – in which they said, everybody is rushed to judgment. It was what I asked Chris Carr about. And I think if I were an attorney for one of the McMichaels, I would be seriously uh, looking at whether or not this case can be tried fairly. What jurisdiction in Georgia has not already had enormous uh, outrage over what happened down there?
1: Right. Well, if if it's at least the st- any state charges would have to be tried somewhere within the state. Uh, there's, I, I don't think yeah, there's any right. any any chance that it could, that it could be moved out of the state. Uh, right. The, but where? But yeah, and 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 uh, you know these warnings aren't just coming from from the, the the McMichael attorneys. They're they're coming from the the attorneys for uh uh Ar- 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 Arbury's family. Uh, uh, I mentioned uh, early in the show uh, Lee Merritt, one of the attorneys, on that same mm-hmm. radio program on Sirius XM. He was advising African-Americans in Georgia, in metro Atlanta, and in Brunswick to watch what they say to keep their mouths shut yeah. about this, yeah. and especially yeah. Yeah. Well, on the- social media, because because ultimately there's going to have to be a jury pool. And and his point is, if if you if you are interested in this case, you don't want to be disqualified from that jury pool. And
0: well, and, that's one and, of the and, reasons and, I ask. Go ahead.
1: Right, and, and and voicing your opinion on social media would be a good way of of being removed from the
0: jury. Well, it's one of the reasons I asked uh, Carr about Mayor Bottoms uh, uh, calling this a a, a lynching. Um, if it's an it's a perfect example of what, uh, Merritt was saying African-Americans should be careful about doing.
1: Right. And, and, and I wonder if in the weeks ahead, if you went back to Mayor Bottoms and asked her if she would repeat that, that, that phrasing, she
0: might, she, she might, she might lower the temperature a little bit. Okay. Um. We'll watch how that uh, all plays out in the uh, weeks and and uh, months ahead. Um, let's move on. We got a lot of other uh, political news that we can talk about. Are, are you game, Jim? Oh, I'm game. I'm game. I've got I got the jolt already <laughs> done, man. I'm 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 way ahead this morning. I know, I know. All right. Well, you know what? There's a there. Okay. So the jolt is up there on AJC.com. I didn't, in introducing you, as I always do, frame you. As the lead political writer of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, not only do you uh, oversee the Jolt, uh, which uh, uh, appears at AJC.com, but your column appears on uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays in the paper, and we're going to talk about the Sunday column, which is already online in a, a little while. Now, what's the lead item in the Jolt today? What should people be looking for?
1: Okay, this is actually – this is kind of pr- very, very interesting. You've uh, Not many mm-hmm. of you have probably heard of The Lancet. You know, it's it, if you if you if you're into SciMed news, uh, you, you 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 are aware of it. It's a hundred and ninety seven year old medical journals. I think it's British based, started in eighteen twenty three, mm-hmm. and they've got a, an editorial this morning, uh, basically saying Atlanta, the the the, the U S Centers for Disease Control and pre- uh, pre- uh, Prevention, which is based in Atlanta, of course, as everyone knows, needs rescuing from the Trump administration uh it it called the u.s it it it, it is it was very very critical of the administration for sidelining the cdc even as it admits that the cdc really screwed up the testing in february on the front end uh but it, it it's calling us response to the coronavirus uh i think the phrase is uh is inconsistent and incoherent And actually, it it pretty much calls for the replacement of Robert Redfield, uh, the CDC director who was testifying just before
0: Congress this week. Yeah, Redfield, though, it's interesting. Uh, This has kind of gotten lost because the CDC has had such a low-profile role, been eclipsed by what the president is, uh, the way the president's taken the spotlight on this. Redfield was a controversial choice in the first place long ago, and there have been some stories that have been reported of CDC uh, uh, workers who have, uh, w- without being named, have said they're, they don't really quite trust uh, Redfield's leadership in this. And, and here, by the way, is a quote from uh, The Lancet, which you published in The Jolt. There's no doubt that the CDC has made mistakes, especially on testing in the early stages of the pandemic. The agency was so convinced that it contained the virus that it retained control of all diagnostic testing for severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2. But this was followed by the admission that the CDC had developed faulty test kits. And it goes on. But punishing the agency by marginalizing and hobbling it is not the solution. The administration is obsessed with magic bullets, vaccines, new medicines, or a hope that the virus will simply disappear but only a steadfast reliance on basic public health principles like test, trace, and isolate will see the emergency brought to an end, and this requires an effective national public health agency. That's a uh, that's a very powerful uh, statement about the fact that CDC is the only agency that's out there to do that just to to oversee just those responsibilities. Right, and 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 one one thing that the that the uh, the the Lancet article p- points to
1: is, if you'll remember, uh, uh, Nancy Messonnier, Messonnier, I think, I hope I'm I'm pronouncing that right. She's she's the director of of uh, the National Center for I- 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 Immunization and Respiratory mm-hmm. Diseases. It's a, a kind of an arm of the CDC. She came out in 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 late February. Warning that this pandemic was about to hit and it was about about to cause quite a bit of 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 disruption in the United States, she was out front in front of the president on that. There are reports that Trump was very very angry about that uh and we have not heard from her since
0: all right um so the jolts out there for people to look at uh, another item in the jolt that we wanted to talk about today is the latest on Kelly Leffler and the Stock trades she made uh, early on in the uh, understanding that this virus was, in fact, much more dangerous than perhaps people had previously considered it to be. It got a lot of attention that she dumped after an intelligence briefing uh, uh, millions of dollars of stocks and then uh, at the same time acquired stocks in companies that would stand to benefit from uh, the pandemic. Uh, she's been under fire for that for some time now. But, of course, Jim, the big story yesterday was that it's Senator Richard Burr of North Carolina, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, who uh, was under under the biggest cloud of doubt uh, because after a private briefing, he dumped a number of stocks. And yesterday we learned that the FBI had seized his cell phone and other records to further investigate him. And there were some questions initially about whether they'd taken the same action against Kelly Loeffler Gra- seized her records, too. What did her office say about that?
1: Well, th- th- this is what was interesting. And at first, uh, I-, I would point out, you know, that uh, transaction records are one thing. When you grab a, senator, a sitting U.S. senator's cell phone who is who is chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee although he's uh, uh with, stepped down from that temporarily that's a big move I say that's a that's a, that's a yeah. very big move and and this, here, here here's how the situation played out I think uh yesterday is that buried deep in a, in a Politico.com uh, report on 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 the burr uh the burr action uh there was this one paragraph of uh, 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 that uh in in which quoted uh which said no no direct quotes just indirect quotes uh Kelly Leffler refused to say whether or not she had been the the FBI had contacted her you know that's a binary question either you have been contacted by the FBI or or you have not it's there's you know there's no middle ground in that one and so what yeah, you saw yeah, her, by her... – go ahead no, 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 no by, go by, ahead. by, 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 th- by Thursday evening, uh, she'd called uh, my, uh, my insider college, Tia Mitchell. I mean, she'd let, let Tia know that uh, uh, they, they sent out a statement that said yes, they have they have handed uh, uh, bokus of, of documents to the SEC to the U.S. Justice Department and are uh, cooperating uh, in, in any, any fashion that that's required of them.
0: Uh, they wanted to change that headline very, very badly. Yeah, yeah. Um, nevertheless, they did not, they still hedged the question of whether, like uh, Richard Burr's uh, case, the FBI had demanded uh, to see her cell phone. We don't really know the answer to that at this point. Right, right. But we should also say, by the way, as long as we're talking about it, uh, because I know some of the people who listen to the show will uh, come after me if I don't mention it, this is a by. Uh, partisan uh, situation in the sense that Diane Feinstein has also been asked to turn over records as well. Uh, there are some questions although she says all of her uh, withholdings are I mean all of her uh, holdings in uh, uh, financial uh, uh, properties are in a blind trust she too has uh, been under scrutiny in terms of all this sort of thing right
1: yeah yeah no she was she look she was required to make to make the same move that Leffler was to to to, yeah, to at least put yeah. something out there uh to let people know that uh that sh- that she's uh that that she's cooperating uh with 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 everybody who's looking into this.
0: You know Jim I've and I I suspect that you've done the same thing. I've I've talked to a number of what I call mainstream Georgia Republicans. Republicans here who are who have said from the start that they like the choice of Leffler. They were supporting Leffler, and I've asked a couple of them just how much damage do they believe that this whole thing is doing to her chances of winning election in the fall. Now they're not going to tell me that they think she's toast. <laughs> I mean, but but they have expressed similar feelings that this is this, that by the time we get around to November. They believe that the pandemic will have dominated the headlines, and that the stock transactions will not be much on voters' minds. I I don't know that I think that's correct, Jim. I mean, we don't know Uh, at all. But this is a big deal,
1: right? Uh, Number one, I would say it's you know, where is the uh, what's the situation with COVID nineteen in in the fall? Yeah, and most most importantly, what's the situation with the economy? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you'll yeah. remember that that, that Leffler's wealth, uh, which is, I mean, she's pretty much the the richest person in in Congress right now. Uh, it was it was used it was it was considered an advantage because she could self finance two campaigns in, in this year and in twenty twenty two, when she comes up for for the, yeah. she would come up for a full six years, uh, in a in a, in a downturn. In a downturn, being a a a, a multi-millionaire, uh, or I guess a half-billionaire, because it's, she's worth maybe five hundred <laughs> million, uh, is. Th- there, your advantage lessens there because you know you. Yeah, you've got people in 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 different boats there. uh we've mentioned on the program that it's significant that you've got several congressional candidates in the in the ninth Republicans in the in the ninth and the fourteenth and the eleventh, who have who have uh, sided with Doug Collins, who's uh, the the Republican congressman mm-hmm. from, from Gainesville, who's 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 also uh, who's challenging Loeffler in defiance of the governor, but you did have. And I think and uh, uh, I think it's important. Uh, you had Bubba McDonald uh, statewide. Uh, he, uh, he's on the PSC. He came out for Collins, I believe, last last week, maybe two weeks ago. Yep. Yesterday, you had Tim Eccles, uh, siding with the governor and with Leffler. Uh, so that and, and and I find that very important because uh, Tim Eccles is very much a, a movement Republican. You know, he he taps very deeply into the homeschooling movement. Uh, that that's very big with Republicans, and it's, it's so. I, I think that's a it's, that's a really important indication that 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 a good segment of of the Republican Party is sticking with Leffler and Kemp.
0: Absolutely. That was essentially what I was saying when I've talked to some of the mainstream Republicans. But it's also an indication that the uh, selection of Leffler has caused a real, continues to cause a real rift among Georgia Republicans. Uh, The the, the most conservative Republicans uh, who have always been supporters of Doug Collins, who cheered him on in the Judiciary Committee impeachment hearings, uh, they're sticking with him. They're angry about Leffler, and then those others, like a Tim Eccles and the mainstream Republicans I talked about, are uh, are going to stick with Leffler. It's it's not a good situation for the Republican Party in Georgia right now.
1: No, well, it's 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 a, it's a very divisive
0: uh, situation,
1: of course, and and of course yeah. you'll have the Doug Collins campaign very forcefully saying that if Leffler gets into one of the 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 two supposed berths in a runoff. After after November third, that uh, that that uh, that she could be taking her 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 candidacy will be taking uh, other Republicans down ballot uh, with her. Uh, It is it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a
0: really really interesting situation that we've got. So I want to turn to Senate race number one for a moment because there's an interesting development in that race that may suggest the damage. That the coronavirus and the handling of the coronavirus uh, is is doing uh, in in races across the country, the Cook Report, which is certainly one of the most authoritative prognosticators of elections uh, in the United States, has moved the David Perdue seat in the Senate from likely Republican to leans Republican. It's interesting. We have not heard Purdue. I mean, Purdue, who is one of the biggest supporters and has been for three years now of President Trump. We haven't heard we've heard Purdue uh, issue news releases, give some interviews about many aspects of what's happening in America today in terms of the coronavirus, whatever. But not not forcefully uh, uh, supporting the president and, and talking about the good work the president has done. But but, you know. It may be a sign moving from likely to leans uh, that that Cooks people do see the coronavirus having an impact here. We know it's having an impact in races in other states with Republican incumbents. What do you think of that?
1: Well I, th- I think what you're seeing is you've got um, and and uh, we've got this we've got the link to uh, to the Cook report in in the Jolt. Uh, I think what everybody's pointing to is is the fact that 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 the coronavirus, uh, and, and Donald Trump are being linked very, very closely together. And you're going to say, uh, uh, we've got, we've got, uh, we've got a, a mention in the jolt of, uh, uh, Stein came up with it, uh, Greg Bluestein, uh, with, uh, a, a, a new internal GOP poll that shows basically Trump and Joe Biden within the margin of error of each other in a new, in an, in an internal survey. And if you, if you, yep. if you, count uh, again as you mentioned Purdue is very very uh has, has kept himself very very close to to Trump and so it's it's not surprising that that his his support could could take a, at least a slight hit as as Trump declines and I I think it's going to be very yeah. important to see if we see what Trump uh does in Georgia in November uh it could uh we, um, we could get we could have a big surprise.
0: We got to get to a break. But before we do, uh, going back to race number two, uh, our good friend Todd Reem, a panelist on the show uh, with some consistency, just sent us a note uh, saying that uh, one of the main reasons that this race between uh, Leffler and Doug Collins is going to uh, stay hot all the way to November is that uh, Collins is going to trash her relentlessly is the language that Todd used in the note that he said to us oh yeah the, yeah the, yes, the, this He's is, certainly this is, right about that <laughs> she is,
1: she in, she is in a she is in a, a, a uh, she's kind of in a a, a pincher situation and and uh, yeah that, that's it it's I hate to I hate to say it, but it's starting to look like uh, 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 Jimmy Carter's appointment of of David Gambrell back in nineteen seventy
0: four seventy three. <laughs> Jim, I wish we had time for you to go in and explain uh, exactly that. what that means. Why don't you, everybody can just search David uh, okay. Gambrell, nineteen seventy three well, and and and, and, and <laughs> the rise of Sam Nutt. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's do this. we got to get a break out of the way. We have a lot more to talk about uh, after these messages. Welcome back to Political Rewind. Um, Jim Galloway is with me. You know, Jim, it's fun. We don't usually get a chance to just chat one-on-one about politics, but since you're the dean and know it all, I'm really happy to be able to give you the chance to talk with me, just you and me. Oh, we can, we, we, we can, we can generate all kinds of historic footnotes, you and me. <laughs> By the way, d- during the break, you talked about David Gambrell and Sam Nunn in 1973. During the break, Tom Faust said in my ear, I'm not even going to tell you how old I was in 1973, <laughs> which is when I uh, made a rude gesture uh, <laughs> to him oh, on know, the WebEx that know, we're I, using I, just to see each other. I, I almost made that same gesture when Attorney
1: General Chris Carr told told us that he had graduated from Marist in 1990.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me. T- there is a market research firm, Jim, that I think you've quoted in the Jolt, and um, I communicated with them. They've started sending us uh, polling data. They're doing some surveys of attitudes in Georgia about a variety of political issues, and and they do. They're a reputable. Uh, marketing research firm. They've they've expanded a little bit. They like the idea of getting some attention for talking about issues that matter to Georgians. Um, And I think it's worth just a couple of minutes. They asked the question of overall, do you approve or disapprove of Governor Brian Kemp's handling of the corona? By the way, it's Cooper Strategies, I think, is the name of the firm. Uh, Do you approve or disapprove of Governor Brian Kemp's handling of the coronavirus situation in Georgia if you take strongly disapprove and somewhat disapprove, you come up with 62 percent of Georgians. If you want to take somewhat approve and uh, strongly approve, you're at only 36 percent. So, I mean, and the governor's acknowledged lately, he was sort of sanguine the other day, I thought, Jim, when he acknowledged that uh, he understands that our people are going to take issue with him, and he he's he's feels that he's in a very difficult situation and that he has tough choices to make and things to balance i i thought it was interesting um that he knows public sentiment still seems to be against him another question in this poll was do you believe george is opening too fast too slow or just right 67% said it was opening too fast and uh but again the governor the governor seems to now have settled in a place where he says, "I know there are people who strongly disagree, but I've got a balancing act to do here," and I suppose right. he does. But the fruits of this will be seen in a couple of weeks if the virus really spirals back out of control.
1: No, exactly, exactly. And 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 the poll that you're citing there is 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 tracks very closely with a Washington Post Ipsos poll that was out uh, on Monday. Uh, which kind of looked at uh, uh, the, how governors are being rated as, as they as they handle things, and and uh, in Ohio, Governor DeWine, a Republican, got the was the highest marks I think in in, in the eighties, and Kemp was down at thirty eight. Eighty three
0: percent th- approval. Yeah,
1: yeah, and he was, and and yeah. Kemp was down uh, at thirty eight percent. Look, you know, I think I think one of the things that that Kemp is is picking up on is the the need to 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 communicate a whole lot more, as he makes his decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh... I mean, when he when he, of course he he took a lot of heat uh... when he announced uh, Georgia was going to open back in late April, especially from Mayor Ke- uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms and and Michael Thurman, who and and Hardy uh, Davis in, in Augusta and the mayor of Albany, all of whom said that they had not been they had not had any conversations with, with, with the governor. And I think his decision-making circle is going to, over the next few months, is really, really going to have to expand as, as we get into some very fine details of how to deal with COVID-19. The Sunday column that that you referenced is, is on this intersection that we've got coming of, 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 of a pandemic and hurricane season. Uh, That, that could be very, very difficult come,
0: come August and September. Well, explain that a little more. Um, And, of course, we always know when we're talking weather in your column or on this show, it's because your daughter, who works for FEMA, is always concerned about the weather. But she points out to you that if we have another major hurricane along the southeastern coast and start seeing evacuations, as we have in recent hurricanes, where are people coming? Are they, they're coming toward Atlanta. We don't know whether they're carrying the virus with them. We don't know if they're going to try to stay with people who may have the virus. It's a big, it's a big concern coming up into entering into hurricane season.
1: Yeah. Uh, look, last August, you had 110,000 flee Chatham County a few some of them went north into south carolina a lot of them came west toward atlanta and many parts in in between you know they came in buses they stayed in shelters that were just packed uh one person on top of each other uh and i was talking to uh uh, 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 uh a couple of days ago, I was talking to uh, Dennis Jones, who's the emergency management um, uh, director over at Chatham County, and he just kind of walked me through all all the places that a, a pandemic uh, can can cause you to change what you're doing during an evacuation. The the biggest one is, it's it's not just sending people who might be infected with COVID-19 out of the uh, out of a coastal zone uh, zone into inland areas. You've got to meet, make sure that wherever you send those people, they're not being infected by the inland people. You know, it's it's a it's a double-sided uh uh, uh sword here, and that requires testing. The same emphasis on testing that we need to open schools, to open businesses. That's what we're going to need to deal with with hur- hurricane season. It's, it's going to have to be immediate. It's going to have to be fast, and and it, it's it's going to have to be in in great numbers.
0: Um. Thank you, Jim, for one more thing to worry about. Uh, We're fast running out of time for the show today, but I'd hate to leave. That's great. (laughs) But I'd hate to leave it without at least a a little bit of a nod to this interesting interview last night that Lawrence O'Donnell, a host at MSNBC, did with not just Joe Biden, but Stacey Abrams as well. Now, we really aren't quite sure what inspired O'Donnell to pair uh, Biden with Abrams, whether he's promoting her candidacy for the ticket. Um, I mean, he did, to the best of my knowledge, maybe he'll have Amy Klobuchar and Biden on uh, Kamala Harris and Biden. But uh, it, it was fascinating to see that pairing. And I suppose whether it was intentional or not, people who stay up late enough to watch Larry O'Donnell did get a chance to see how the two of them interacted with one another. Yeah and and I I wonder I wonder
1: if if you're going to see more of this if this is if this is Joe Biden's way of getting into into people's living room living rooms through TV sets I I wonder if you're going to be seeing him paired with Kamala Harris with Amy Klobuchar Yeah uh it could this yeah. you know it's it, it the the the, the if, i i did not stay up late enough to watch the the video um the accounts that I'm reading of the abrams biden uh, uh thing was that it was pleasant and and polite and everybody said nice things about each other but it does give you the chance to see how 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 those
0: those two people work and interact together yeah and um uh and certainly we know that Stacey Abrams took advantage of the chance to do another national TV show. She's certainly done plenty of them to once again talk about voting rights, to talk about voting integrity. Um, the issues that uh, she focuses on like a, a, a laser, um, you know, which also raises one question. And we got about 30 seconds to give you a chance to just say something about it. I've asked on this show a couple times and I don't think I've asked you. Nobody has ever quite gone after the vice presidential nomination the way Stacey Abrams has. She's been very transparent. But considering that she ran her own race for governor against the uh, wise advice of many Democrats who said she uh, was taking the wrong tack, uh, here's your 20 seconds, Jim. Uh, no re- you can't fault her for being so aggressive and wanting to be on the ticket.
1: No, no, ab- absolutely not. And, and 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 just remember this is kind of serves a, a dual purpose. It keeps her name out there. It keeps her fundraising active. And if she's going to run for governor again in 2022, that's that's uh, she'll need all that.
0: Jim Galloway, that's all the time we have for uh today's show. Have fun with your woodworking this weekend. Thank all of you out there for being with us for another week of Political Rewind. My ch- thanks, as always, to Jesse Neiswanger, Tom Faust, and Sam Burmas dawes for the work they're doing. Um, I hope you all have a pleasant and a safe and healthy weekend. We'll see you again next week for more Political Rewind.